Hello and welcome. Uh, today's discussion surrounds the business challenges of uncovering your business's brand. Uh, and joining us today is president and co-founder at Matchstick, Craig Johnson. Craig, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jason. Glad to be here. Oh, we're very glad to have you. And this is going to be a great conversation. I think a lot of folks are, um, are going to be very interested in understanding, you know, about brand identity and the responsibilities that follow through with all of that. Um, in fact, I think that, why don't we start with that? So yeah, great. Um, in terms of your experience, you know, when an organization is trying to understand um, their brand or that their identity, what, what exactly does that mean? And are they, are they separate? So, could you elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, and, and brand can be a loaded word, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we say we're a brand identity house, but does brand mean your logo? Does brand mean your culture? People say brand is a promise. Uh, we would say that kind of the sum of all of that is that your brand is your reputation, very simply. So mm -hmm. it's what do other people say about you when you're not around? And really, who do they say you are? I, I'm really less interested as a brand consultant about whether people like you and customer satisfaction. And really I wanna know who, how do they define who you are? What makes you different than the competition? What makes you unique? Uh, and so if your brand is your reputation, you know, that's something that's not really controlled by you because that lives in the hearts and minds uh, of your customers, of your employees, uh, of partners. But uh, you know, what you can control is your identity. That's, that's who you are and that's how you express yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I talk to a lot of CEOs and say, hey, I don't need a brand consultant. I know what my brand is. And you know what? Every single CEO does, and they should. That's part of their job as a CEO. But the question I always ask them is, is that the same thing that your customers would say? Mm. And that's where I get more question marks. And well, I'm not sure. Well, would you like to know that? Yeah, well, should, let's go through a process to uncover what that is. And let's really find out, you know, how close... Uh, to what you say the brand is, your customers say what your what your brand is and who you are. And that really allows us to understand the reputation. So then there's really this, uh, you know, all of our projects is first about kind of saying, who do we want to be known for? Uh, you know, what do we want to be known for? And what are our customers uh, know us for? And then how wide is the gap between those two? And that really helps us understand, you know, to what degree do we need to evolve our identity to really begin to connect with our customers and begin to build the reputation that we want to have. Interesting. So it's, it, so the journey really is understanding how do I get the two brand and identity to get as closely matched as possible. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would define any great brand. Whenever we talk about great brands, yeah. a lot of times I say people think about what I call sexy brands, you know, Starbucks, Nike, Apple, you know, to me, those are the sexy brands, but a great brand, it doesn't matter the size of the organization. It's just how closely aligned is the reputation that you want to have, who you say you are in the boardroom, mm. how closely is that aligned with what your customer on the street says? And when those two things are, are matching, then we, we've achieved, we have a great brand and I could be a consultant of one and have a great brand, or I could be a company of, you know, a hundred thousand people and have a great brand. So either, either way, it's just about making sure that those two things uh, match up and, and being able to we, being sure that we can clearly see both of them. Because a lot of times we can only see one half of the equation. 
Sure, I bet, and I'm sure that's where yeah, when you're when you're speaking with the CEO, uh, they have a very clear understanding of what the expectation is. But then there's that reality of how are their clients? How do? How, what is the perception of who they are? Uh, yeah, with that, interesting. Yeah, and and you know what I say if you if if a, a CEO of a company could meet with every customer for an hour and explain who they are and what the mission was and what the vision was, like every single customer would be, you know, they, they'd buy hook, line and sinker, you know, because I get the opportunity to sit down with these CEOs and I'm, I'm bought in, I get it. Right. <laughs> so then, but you know, CEO doesn't have that much time to do that, especially as the company gets bigger and bigger. And so we need some sort of other vehicle to communicate that a whole lot, uh, a whole lot quicker. Uh, so that people can really understand and, and get the vision. And sometimes, you know, we have a split second when someone hits the homepage of your website to begin to get a general feel for who you are, an idea. And, and so that's where we get into, you know, the whole, you know, we're a, an identity shop, which means that we have a strategic side of that and we have a creative side of that. And that's where we get into the creative of saying, okay, the strategic side helps us define this is what we want to be known for. And that's what we work with our clients and their leadership teams uh, doing. And the creative says, how do we get people to understand that in a split second? Gotcha. And so there's the whole, uh, you know, visual, visually, how are we expressing ourselves? Uh, verbally, how are we expressing ourselves? Uh, and, and how do we begin to, to, to quickly allow people to understand it. And, and you really, this is the same thing that we do as people, right? I have my own personal beliefs and values and what I want to accomplish and what I want to be known for. And then I have, all right, how am I going to interact with the world? So am I, and how am I going to dress? That should align with the, the reputation that I want to build. Um, you know, that's the way that I speak, the way that I treat people. So I always kind of use the analogy of, you know, if somebody says, hey, I'm really having a hard time making any friends, you know, can you can you help me? Right. This is what we do for, with organizations. Hmm. And one of the first things you could do is you could say, all right, well, I hear the result that you don't have any friends. I hear you telling me that you're a really great guy and I, I get it. So let me watch you. Let's go to a party and let me let me just stand back and be a bystander and watch you. You know, and then at the end of the night, you could come in and say, hey you know how you interrupted that guy when you were talking, you were always talking about yourself, you're putting people down, you know, all these are, are things that you're, these are ways that you're expressing yourself. You're not looking people in the eye when you talk to them. This is maybe one of the reasons why you're not achieving the reputation that you want to have and you're not, you're not building those lifelong long friendships. So let's talk about how do we need to change the way that you interact with people, the way you interact with the world in order to, to build the reputation that you believe that you should have and you know you want to have. So it's the same thing. How does organizations need to change the way that they present themselves to the world, their unique identity in a way that will allow folks to really see them in the way that they you know, know that they believe to be seen? Yeah. Gosh, it, it's, it, there's two things that I, I really want to pull out of that is the first is I love that you clarified that you look at both the strategic and the creative elements of this journey. And I think a lot of folks, especially I would say entrepreneurs when they're first starting up, 
it's all creative, right? They have this idea of what they want to be. So they're like, I want to be this cool color. I want to have this neat logo. And they're like, that's my brand. And that's it, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And there, there's a whole nother level of that beyond creative. The creative aspect is, is that yeah, going to the party and watching how it's how we're interacting and seeing how your product actually is being utilized. Is it functional? How does, you know, what is that experience and, and what is the reaction to that experience, et cetera? Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. And I, I guess the, the next part of that, the second part of what you were talking about is when people do come to you, I'm very curious to know where are they in their journey? Is, are they entrepreneurs? Are they, how long have they been in business? I guess if you could just kind of walk us through some examples of when clients come to you and what stage of the business are they at when they, when they reach out? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, there's, there's multiple stages that people come to us in hmm. and we've kind of customized our, our, service packages accordingly. Uh, but we have folks that come to us as a pure, they have not even, you know, they're, they're in the middle of building their product and they're getting ready to launch. And I always say their goal is to really launch with a bang. You know, I, I find entrepreneurs, there's kind of two mindsets. One is I'm going to stay as lean as possible and let this kind of grow and I'll kind of, you know, evolve it as it grows. Hmm. And then you have the entrepreneur that says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, put a ton of resources behind this. I'm going to try to save time and I'm going to try to really launch with a bang. And usually really the difference is the first time entrepreneur versus the second, third, fourth time entrepreneur. Usually the, if they've already done it successfully before, they don't want to, they, they don't want to take as much time as they did the first go around. And they said, uh, and, and, and usually they have more money at their disposal. So they're saying, I'd rather pay a little bit more money now to save time versus the, the, the first time bootstrap entrepreneur is saying, I'll save money now and, and I'll give up a little bit of time. Right. So th that's one stage. And then you have the people that, that say uh, sometimes that, that bootstraps uh, entrepreneur comes to us once they've really begun to build some momentum and they said, Hey, you know what? We kind of just slapped this whole identity together to try to get things off the ground. And now that things are really rolling, you know, we're, we're hearing comments like, uh, you know, people not sure that we're really a legit company when they look at our, when they see us online or, yeah. uh, sometimes it's when competition, uh, hits people that it really, it, it really kills the entrepreneur when they see a company that they know is not as good as them. They're a lot smaller than them. They may just be a startup, but dadgummit, they have this really good branding and they're, they're, they're getting more, more attraction from the market. Right. And so they're saying, Hey, you know, competition is always the great equalizer. Uh, it really will get people to, to say, Hey, we need to level up our, our whole image. Um, so, and then you have companies that have been around sometimes 10, 15, you know, sometimes multiple decades and they've been growing so much, but uh, they've, they've almost in that rapid growth process, they've lost a sense of their identity. And they said, man, we've, we got to kind of come back to the heart of this, especially uh, in, in situations where they've been acquiring companies because now you have culture that has acquired companies and they've pulled these other uh, groups in these other cultures and they they hadn't they hadn't really clearly defined for the staff even this is really who we are and so then a lot of that's even from an HR perspective how do we you know reduce turnover how do we get people bought into the mission of where we're going and then same thing with the customer, you know, how do we, how do we get customers to not see us as that other company anymore, but see us as this new entity. Hmm. Uh, so we, we, so in that situation, we got to kind of 
you know, they're still, they're in that rapid growth process, but we kind of have to pause and even almost rewind back to the founding story and say, hey, what was this all about? Um, and how do we make sure that we can capture the heart of that, uh, you know, keep what's important from our history, but then also look to the future. So yeah. that's always a process that's important to go through um, with any of those clients. And then you have the, the bigger companies that are spinning off smaller products. And right. so that's another uh, customer set for us. So we, again, all of the, those, those three different groups are, have a little bit different mindsets and they're looking for a little bit different things. And so we customize our, how we do things um, and for each one of those customers. But those are kind of the three main points at which uh, we find people. A, startup mode. B, I've been growing so much and I got to kind of reroute ourselves and see, hey, we're this big entity and now we're spinning off these, you know, these smaller products. And interestingly, the, the, the products they're spinning off are kind of the same as the entrepreneur products they're doing. They're just coming out of this massive organization. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the show. We'd love to get to know you. We help creative companies get work done by delivering a simple, strategic, and human IT experience. If you'd like to talk to one of us, go to rippleit.com slash sign me up. We'd love to get to know you more. Thank you and back to the show. Is there, is there a sweet spot with, you know, that you've seen like that, okay, this is an optimal time to reconsider your brand or is, or is that irrelevant? You know, it, it, it's, it maybe seems too simple, but it really always comes back to that, uh, that reputation issue. And when do they feel like they're, they're starting to, to, to lose control of, of what that reputation is. So again, sometimes that's when there's a the drastic change in the industry and they need to, to reposition to stay competitive. Uh, you know, sometimes that's when, Again, they've they've acquired these companies in, and they they really need to to focus the culture around what they do because that has to do with the reputation the employees have mm. of the organization. But there's always when there's a little bit of that of that disconnect, and the goal is is again the way we what we want to be known for is what we're actually known for, and how do we define what that is? Because sometimes that's the hardest part for some mm. companies is you have a leadership team that has a lot of different opinions about even what their reputation should be. And so sometimes it, it comes, it's interesting alignment with strategic planning too, because I would say 50% uh, of the time our work kind of comes before strategic planning. Cause if they say, all right, this is our identity. What do we need to do to live this out? And then I have 50% of clients that go through some sort of strategic planning process. And out of that, one of their core initiatives is, hey, we got to get better at telling our story. We got to realign ourselves to be more, uh, you know, to connect, to connect better with our employees and to, to compete uh, in the market. So uh, strategic planning is another trigger point that I see a lot. Interesting. Can you, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more because I think that's, I can imagine leadership teams, um, either senior leadership teams or whichever, but like the, the, they have this very clear understanding or close to clear understanding of what their brand is, who, what their identity is. But yeah, the actual execution of it, I could see 
internally being a, a big challenge. And, you know, how do, how do I know when you don't have those opportunities to be the CEO in those meetings and you're relying on the rest of the organization to act on your behalf, to speak that message? Um, what are your experiences in terms of executing on brand internally so that externally uh, folks are getting the right message? Yeah. So, and that comes back to the whole culture side of things Yeah. where, you know, we think about, all right, the marketing side of the brand, right. And mm -hmm. how do we make sure that we're, uh, you know, we're true to who we are, we're, we're unique and differentiated with the competition and we're connecting well with the customer. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, we have, there's a whole uh, team of people that have to now live this out yeah. and, are they really bought into it? And so that's where we talk a lot about one of our key phrases. We talk about igniting passionate brands. We wrote a book called igniting passionate brands because that's, we think where the real magic is, is, you know, yes, we do the creative work. We do the positioning work and that's great. But where the real power is, is when you get this whole group of people that are all aligned around this common identity mm. and they, they're all waving the same flag and they're, and they're super proud of it and they're marching in the same direction and they're singing off the same song sheet, whatever, use whatever analogy you want, but that's where you really have the opportunity uh, for real impact uh, when you get that full on cultural alignment. And so, you know, we've worked with, with clients to, you know, with different programs to say, all right, what does it look like to, to make sure that we have uh, our cultures aligned? And a lot of times that comes into place where you have different offices, right? We got you know, the Atlanta office, but we got the Chicago office and the Dallas office and the, the, the Denver office, you know, is there a different sense of who we are in those different offices? Because it's really, it's only one website that the customer finds. Mm. So you ideally, just like I want to go into a Starbucks and, and the employees to treat me and, and their whole, the way that they act, I want that to feel the same if I'm in Atlanta versus New York City versus Tupelo, Mississippi, right? Right. Um, so same thing, even with a, a service business. Uh, that you have these people that are delivering on these these brand values, and to what degree is that whole culture aligned around it? Interesting. Wow. That I just I think that that is that that is where it, it just gets so wonderfully complex and, uh, yeah. and challenging. Because yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. you you hire these rock stars right to work with you. Um, but, you know, you also have this belief pattern. And I, I guess, you know, it just seems like everything that you're doing here, understanding your identity, how people are responding to you, what your actual brand is, and then you hire people that need to be fit into that or that already represented to a certain level and they can be, I guess, learned into it. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, and going back to the CEO thing, you know, any organization ultimately is kind of a, a reflection of that CEO and of mm -hmm. that leader, uh, especially when it's a founder, right? And, and yeah. the organizational identity is, is, is typically rooted in the identity of the founder. Uh, but even if the founder moves on and a new, a new leader comes on board, you know, he wants the identity to reflect uh, the culture of, of who he is. There's a way that they want to do business. There's a posture they want to have to the market or they, they want to posture as the big, strong, behemoth or do they want to posture as hey we're just we're here to be a helper and be a friend um and so that, that's where you really always have to go back to some of that founding story and and some of the 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 dna and the way that the the, the founder wants to do business 
and then how do you how do you capture that bottle it up and mm. then and then share it and get everybody else to buy into it that's actually, uh, I looked at uh, just on your website, you know, through your different, the portfolio that you, you have there, there's the buyer, the, the, the founder's journey is critical to so many of these stories. And what is your process of just, of just learning about these stories? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's not quite that complicated. A lot of it's just really understanding, spending some time with that founder to understand, you know, what, what are the things that, that that person's really passionate about. And we don't do it just with the founder. We ask everybody, you mm. know, what, are, why, why here? Why do you want to work here? Mm. What, what keeps you coming back? And, you know, we can go through an exercise of, Hey, if you won, if you won the mega millions and you didn't need to, to, you didn't need the money, what about this place would bring you back? And that's where you can really uncover a lot of that gold of what we're really looking for. What's special here? Uh, and, and what's different and what's true, right? What's real. We say that a lot of our process is like digging for gold. Um, you know, it's there, it's under the, sometimes it's certain companies, it's maybe a little bit more buried than others. Mm -hmm. But our job is to go there, dig for it, find it, pull it out of the ground, shine it, you know, and show it off for the world to see and, and kind of remind people that, Hey, this, this is the gold we have. Let's not forget it. Let's remember it. That's you know you just nailed on something that I've I've been uh, I've been observing about how technology has really reshaped how a message gets across. I mean you know and in particular with organizations. I mean you have people that are capable of within one quick handheld recording reshape an organization in in, in less than thirty seconds, whether it's good or bad. Um, yeah. which is phenomenal. And, um, it's there, you, you, you tapped into something I wanted to talk about, which is just true authenticity. And then that's, it seems like that's kind of what you're trying to uncover when you talk to the organization that, you know, yeah, you win the mil mega millions where, what is that moment that says, I still want to work here. I know I don't need to yeah. I want to. Yeah. And, well, and a lot of it is we use the, the term conviction a lot. Like what is, what is this organization's convictions? right? Because we know, hey, we have a product or service that we're going to sell to market and there's a transaction there that, that we deliver, you know, value, whether functional value, emotional, probably somewhat of a mix of the two. Um, but how do, we, how do we go back to, you know, what, what do we really believe? And I think that that's one thing that sometimes organizations forget. They're, they're, they're so worried about how do we connect with the customer Mm -hmm. And how do we stand out from the competition? They forget to say, you know, well, what do we think is important? You know, <laughs> what, what is the role that we believe that we play in the world? Us, you know, that's, that's maybe a little bit bigger than just, uh, than just a, a functional benefit, you know? And I love to, one of my favorite examples is Nike, right? I mean, Nike, I'm wearing Nike shoes right now, right? They just, they sell, uh, you know, cool shoes and, and other sports products, right? I mean, you could say that's the, the functional value, mm -hmm. but there's this whole emotional side. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Nike kind of that, you know, that underlying uh, kind of conviction and theme is all about victory. Mm. Right. And so, you know, I, I uh, you know, Nike is the Greek goddess of victory and everything that they do is trying to help any athlete, you know, get a little bit better what they do get, you know, how do we help you help you win? How do we help you achieve 
victory. And, and what's great about that is number one, you know, they use, I don't see them use that word a lot, but whenever I talk about it with people, there's a lot of head nods, just mm. like I'm seeing from you, you know, you feel that it resonates. I mean, even, you know, just do it, find your greatness. You know, all of that is about how do I win? Um, and, and they really, and what's interesting about Nike too, they don't, I, I can't ever remember seeing them advertise their products. Right. They only advertise that idea. And then when I, you know, obviously they, 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 they we're all aware of who Nike is at this point. Right. So they, we don't have to, there's not an education there. So then we, I, I walk into a shoe store and I see Nike, I remember that idea and those feelings and, I, and I'm more than, you know, connected to their products, but it's because, you know, they're, they're convicted by that. And, and it's not just that they have that, you know, that, and that goes back to the founding story, right. Mm -hmm. Of, of that coach using the rubber and the waffle iron to put on the shoes to help these kids like on the track team win, you know, so it goes back to that founding story and you fast forward to today and they're hiring former professional athletes and Olympic athletes. So their whole culture is centered around, this idea of how do we help people, people win. Love it. That's, that's excellent. I think that really ties in everything that we just talked about really well, whether you're starting your organization, you're, you're, you're five to 10 years in, you've acquired companies and you're just, you're trying to understand who you are today versus where you were yesterday. Um, and then also just understanding how you can educate the organization around you to represent the identity that the brand of uh, of your organization and know that there could be a difference between the two as you're trying to get them closer together. Uh, Craig, this has been really great. Uh, I just wanted to touch a little bit about you and, and Matchstick and just learn a little bit more about what you're doing today. Um, I, I guess the first question I'd love to understand is yeah. when people reach out to you specifically uh, at Matchstick, I'm sorry, when people reach out to Matchstick, what are some of the most common business challenges that you're responding to when people first reach out? Um, you know, it, it, again, it may be simply, hey, we have a new product, hmm. we got a launch, uh, it may be, hey, we're acquiring this company. It may be, hey, I'm starting up this new company. Um, and, and interestingly, with kind of the, the companies that have been growing for a while, I say a lot of times our job is more of a cleanup job than creating new things. So it's, hey, we have 17 different logos that we're using. And if I ask our executive team who we are in one sentence, I get, you know, 10 different responses from 10 different people. Can you come up, can you come in and try to clean this up? So the biggest challenge that I see is, you know, it's not that people haven't created enough new things. It's that they've created too many new things and they began to cause confusion with their customers because they have, you know, maybe they, they, they grew and they started this company and this brand. And then they said, Hey, we have this new thing we're going to launch. Let's come up with a new name for it. Let's come up with a new logo for it. And then they do that, you know, multiply that out over, you know, 10, 20 years. And all of a sudden somebody comes in and they look at it and they say, this thing was a total mess. You know, we had a client that we kind of broke the record for the number of different URLs they had. They had, you know, <laughs> hundreds of URLs for different things that they were doing. Yet when somebody said, can you just tell me how this all fits together as one organization? Uh, you know, nobody could, there was a lot of head scratching. So we had to kind of create this larger story. And I think that's a common situation is instead of just, talking about the specific products and services, especially as we expand it, 
Now we have to elevate up and tell what's that one larger story that ties them all together. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to think about the order of how you tell your story. So let's start with, you know, the bigger ideas of our convictions and our beliefs and the, and the big picture value that we offer. Then we can go down and say, hey, and here's this particular service we offer. Here's how it ladders up into that one. Here's this one. Here's how this ladders up. Mm -hmm. And you know what? These all don't need their own name, unique names and logos. This can be just a simple descriptive name that, that describes the service that you that you provide because that then retains that brand equity and that master brand. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a lot of different uh, situations. But again, it really always comes back to do customers see us the way that we, we know we should be seen? Do our employees really buy in to the mission? So sometimes it's how do we better connect with the market? Sometimes it's how do we better connect with our employees? And sometimes it's, you know, the practical nature of there's these two companies that are merging and what are we going to call it moving into the future? Hmm. Excellent. Um, anything exciting that you're working on or you wanted to share uh, uh, that's going on at Matchstick? Yeah, so I mean, really, our, our big picture uh, goal, what we're trying to do is really, uh, you know, the, the big brand identity firms that, that are around the country nationally are, are really kind of more on the West Coast or up in the Northeast, and nobody really claimed that in the South. And so we said, hey, we're, we want to be the brand, brand identity firm of the South. And how do we help uh, the, the, the bigger companies that are here think, Hey, maybe I don't have to go to New York. How do they, we get the, the, the kids coming out of school to say, Hey, if I want to go work and do some really great brand identity work, I don't have to go to San Francisco. I don't have to go to New York. I can stay here and do it. Cause there's almost a mentality, especially kids coming out of school. They're almost being told like, Hey, if you want to do big things, you can't stay in the South. And so that's what, what our heart is. And we do a lot uh, with the creative community. Uh, in fact, one of the things that, that you should check out, um, so my business partner, Blake, uh, and our creative director, he just launched a new podcast called The Creative Rising. Cool. And it's really all about uh, challenges that creative leaders are working to overcome. Uh, and so he's interviews a lot of different creative professionals. I think he's on the third or fourth one right now. I mean, it's all about, uh, he basically did a survey. So we run this, uh, the Atlanta chapter of Creative Morning. So. Mm -hmm did this big survey of what are the top fears or challenges that creative professionals have. And mm -hmm. so he basically took the top 10 and said, I'm going to create a podcast for each of those uh, and, and bring in a unique leader. So the first one was public speaking. By far, it was the number one thing that creative professionals, you know, human sphere, but creative professionals, especially. Mm -hmm. So you got a great uh, speaker coach, Sam Harrison, come on and help people think about that. So definitely wherever you, you know, get your podcast, check out the creative rising. I will absolutely link uh, the Creative Rising to the show notes so that people can see it, and then I'm going to subscribe to it because that sounds excellent. That's <laughs> great. That sounds good. Um, I guess the, just the last question is, how can people get engaged with Matchstick? Sure. They can find us uh, online at matchstick.com. That's matchstick without the K.com, M-A-T-C-H-S-T-I-C. And, uh, you know, Matchstick House on Instagram and uh, all the other social handles. So, yeah, check us out there. Excellent. And then I'll also point people towards your book as well. Uh, that sounds uh, like a fascinating read. Yeah, sounds great. Great. Craig, thank you so much for your time. This has been excellent. And I'm hoping that a lot of, some folks can get a lot out of this. And uh, we'll be uh, listening to your uh, new podcast and uh, checking out the book and, and learning a lot more about Matchstick. All right. Thanks, Jason, for having me. Have a great one. Thank you. You too.